to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Anders Lee here. Welcome to Pod Damn America. Here with my comrade Alex Patak. Alex Patak here. And our guest this week from across the pond, Hussein Kazvani. Hi. Thanks hey. for joining. Thanks for joining. Do I get us. to be like the Jake Flores like standing today? Yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> <laughs> it is a privilege, but yes, that is what you're doing right now. Should Great. we do that How again? We have. I'm excited. We have uh, Jake Flores has adopted a British accent. He's uh, stealing valor <laughs> from the Brits. Um, appropriating British culture, uh, but you are—you're physically here in the United I am States. I'm actually—I'm physically in the United States for like a few more days. He's uh, literally in my apartment right now. Literally in the apartment. You can't see um, it, but we're—we're we're sharing headphones like we're on a bus and in love. Yeah, it reminds me of like being a teenager and like <laughs> sharing uh, a Walkman. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I made you this playlist. It's mostly <laughs> Anders Lee. <laughs> I do kind of wonder whether, like, whether that's like the equivalent of teens today. Like, here, share, share, share an AirPod with me and we can listen to the same podcast. Hey, I made you a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Take this headphone and we can see this guy uh, cry while he dances to music. My, uh, I've only seen the one. I don't know TikTok. We're moving on. <laughs> My girlfriend, which I do have, we have shared a headphone. Congratulations. From Congratulations, time to time, Andrew. we listen to podcasts together in transit that way. Uh, That's great, man. Hussein, let me ask you, is this your first time in the States? And what do you think of it so far? No. it. So I was here this time last year, but not in New York City, in New York State. Um, Where'd I, you go? I was teaching in SUNY, Albany. Oh. Um, so I was in New York City for two days. The and big city, the of the greatest city in the world, as, <laughs> as as I've as I've heard. And I was teaching at SUNY Albany and doing um, a fellowship there. And it was just very weird because it was like, on the one hand, I was very worried about like the colonial like elements of of being in New York State, but on the other hand, I was just like very bored. Like it, it was very hard to get around. And I guess like when we did, we went to like the mall and that was it so i had like a very american mall experience did you try any oxycodone while you were up there no i mean i did like whippets yeah um like a, like an american very team. metropolitan but, like, of but you. also i come from london where like everyone does fucking whippets anyway like and just, cat. Like, cat yeah cat and whippets um but if you go to like to any so if um any of your like listeners ever come to london and they come to east london which is where the trash future office is like you'll just see these little kind of like canister like whippet canisters everywhere you go it's almost like um that fairy tale is it the Han- is it hansel and gretel yeah like, yeah except like with whippets where the children leave whippets in a trail yeah <laughs> and it goes to a witch's house and that witch is jake flores <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're having such a uh, scenic New York experience. Yeah, New York City is uh, it's a it's a different place in many ways. It's a land of contrast, as they say. <laughs> New York, you different. <laughs> thanks for thanks for showing out. Um, well, we are here this week mostly to talk about your home. It, it's your big week. It yeah. is a big week. When it, is, when does this come out? Probably Thursday. Okay, it is a big day on Thursday. It's a big day. The course of history. Um. 
Thursday is a holy day in the UK. We all do whippets and um, <laughs> no, it's a it's a UK election and it's a pretty big one. I don't know how much like. I feel what I've been really surprised about is actually there's a lot of people in New York who are very well informed about like this election. I met someone the other day who like knew loads about like these marginal constituencies and like I didn't know any of it. I was just like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, that is a big issue. It's a big, it's a big thing. And I'm curious you're, as you're to You're like, keyed into it and I'm keyed into it. I'm, I'm curious as to like why. I mean, I guess in one way I understand, which is like this is the first time that a truly like I wouldn't say like yeah, I guess truly left wing uh, by relative standards, like might act, like has like a real shot of kind of getting into like power and like making some real changes. And I guess there's also like the kind of Boris Johnson Trump connection in the set in the way that like they both sort of mirror each other in more yeah. ways than I'd be comfortable with. So when you say you're running into a New Yorker who knows more about the election than you, you are running into <laughs> Anders Lee. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably. <laughs> Hey, I, I thought I recognized you. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of us still know absolutely fucking nothing about your election, but um, it could be just like a very well informed. Yeah. Like, um, I do like I do like taking the subway in like in Brooklyn and kind of just like trying to guess how many bearded guys like have podcasts, mm-hmm. um, and how many of them are just kind of like uh, dog walkers. You can do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there's like a crossover. Yeah, could be <laughs> usually both. I thought I like saw Matt Chrisman from Chapper. It's really day. disorienting. Like <laughs> He's once the, you meet Matt yeah. and like a few like really successful podcasters, you're like, this is a good life. You don't realize that it's all dog walkers. But, but he's he's in he's in my country. Yes. He's in Liverpool. Yeah. So I was just like, this is just a guy who looks a lot like Matt from Chapper, but he like has this very small dog that he's like <laughs> stroking in like his image. New Yorker tote. Oh man. The, <laughs> the hubris. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's, um, I think like it's a kind of bigger profile election than most. It's sort of been like a very surreal experience because it's been such like a short time frame. It's only been about like six weeks. A lot keeps happening though. Yeah. The also, goofs and gaffes. A lot keeps happening, but also there's a lot, you know, in, by relative terms. And this is also just because of like the length. I, there's like a lot of like mainstream reporters that are like, oh, you know, this is an election without like a lot of moments. And to a degree, to a, to a degree that was true, except until yesterday, which was Monday. Moment mania. Um, so beforehand, like the Johnson campaign, the Tory campaign were like, they were trying to kind of really control everything. And that meant that like Johnson wasn't kind of doing a lot of like interviews and there was a whole controversy around like him not doing kind of a particularly quote unquote tough interview with a BBC uh, interviewer called Andrew Neil. I think that's kind of bullshit in the sense that like if you really dig into kind of who Andrew Neil is as a person, like he's much more aligned to Boris Johnson. He is the managing editor of the magazine that Boris Johnson used to edit. Um, he's like a regular at like Spectator magazine, which is, which is kind of like, I guess, the National Review of the UK. Um, so they're kind of in the same side. It wouldn't have been like, I think, as tough an interview as people maybe would have wanted it to be. But it would have been tough compared to like the standards that like the Johnson press team have kind of been allowing him to be, be exposed to. And that's because Boris Johnson is a buffoon and like he like is so kind of gaff prone that his team are just trying to kind of protect him as much as they can. And they kind of felt that like not putting him so much in the spotlight. I tweeted was. this earlier. Do you feel like he has a similarity to Ed Sheeran, but like after he's hit with a small amount of force lightning, <laughs> <laughs> like he just like everything slightly no. off just a degree. Like you've been blasted. No, I, I don't. I no. I, I, I get what you mean, but I feel like Ed Sheeran is just like a very well-meaning. He's like a well-meaning guy who's just kind of gotten in a bit too much over his head. Sure. But his um, brain's been scrambled in this situation. 
along with the rest of his body. No, I feel like with Boris Johnson, like he was like he didn't need the force lightning or anything to. <laughs> He's just like, like that, right? Yeah. And, and and I feel that's true, like because Boris Johnson really is kind of an epitome of the British class system, right? This is a guy who like was born into a particular like. Um, landed dynasty. He went to Eton. He was the type what of guy is, who sorry, like, what is really because absor- we hear this term Etonian, yeah. and it sounds like e- some sort of alien race or something. Eton, Eton is like one of the oldest British okay. private schools in. Well, it's like one of the oldest private schools in the world, but it's one nice. of like Britain's oldest private schools. It is a place where like um, it's kind of considered to be like a finishing school almost for anyone who kind of wants to be like you know working like be in government be prime minister etc i think there's i can't remember the exact number but there's like an obscene number of like prime ministers who have graduated from eton um they hook you up to a vacuum and it sucks the empathy (laughs) among among other things um among other rumors (laughs) the vacuum that sucks the empathy out of you um let's just say other things are probably getting (laughs) sucked there too yeah Uh, (laughs) and it's an all boys school so let's put two and two together parody because i'm not putting you in any libel situation right nice (laughs) our laws are a lot weaker than yours it's fine right um and you don't have like so i've got to give out a shout to like our producer nate who like makes sure that every time we say libel stuff that he removes it um because otherwise we would be like completely fucked by now yeah 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 um yeah but like you know easton is very it's like very uh it, it it sort of epitomizes like the british class system and boris johnson is really the epitome of that in an exaggerated form there are etonians like so david cameron who was a previous prime minister he tried to distance himself away from his like etonian background so he tried to kind of be like you know cool and down with the kids and like um into kasabian and stuff like that uh i don't know if any of your listeners know what kasabian is i have no idea what but like a very about. very like boring indie band oh in the uk that were like really big in the mid 2000s which was around like the beginning of the cameron years Okay. Um, or just like the time when Cameron kind of became leader of the Conservatives and tried to modernize it. Boris Johnson is a guy who like memorizes like lines from like Herodotus and stuff. Right. Um, and I've seen that one quote he has of in his free time. Yeah. He he reads poetry in German and probably like paints bus like makes kind of wine crates into buses like he's a weird guy and people are kind of there are lots of kind of media people who are saying that oh he just says this because like he um he's like a bit eccentric or a bit weird or like you know he's trying to be funny it's like no this is like this is the british classist and they're all like fucking weirdos that's like Um, the kind of excuse you make for your like messed up son he's he's actually just being funny (laughs) well speaking of that they had his dad on one of those question shows and they were asking Asking him about his son saying i think racist things and- <laughs> yeah so there was a question time event but channel four which is one of our like tv channel like news channels like a big one of the big ones there was like an environment um question time kind of event so like jeremy corbyn was there like leader of labor party uh joe swinson um i think joe swinson was i mean like but they're basically like all the kind of party leaders but boris johnson wouldn't go on and again, this was like, I think because his team were like trying to kind of prevent him from doing too much public stuff. He's too smart to be speaking the question time. You won't be able to handle it. He's like, it's too much knowledge. Uh, too much. He knows too many yeah. languages and cultures. Yeah, it's like the stuff you've got to like pay the Patreon fee for. He's not giving that shit away for free. Um, so they... Um, so from what I know, also being here, like I kind of get like drips of information. Uh, they didn't kind of put anyone up until the last minute. And then at the last minute, they tried to get Michael Gove, who was a, 
education secretary and now like environment secretary and all around just like shithead of a person to come in and um channel four were like okay well you know we can't bring you on because all the other party leaders are here and this is a leaders debate not a minister's debate and if boris johnson can kind of like do other events when he can come here like especially considering that this has been on the books for a while michael gove basically said that oh they don't want to like debate a conservative and it was like no they just don't want to debate you man like (laughs) you are uh, not the prime minister but the funny thing was then like (laughs) boris johnson like i don't know who it's the conservative party headquarters just decided to be a good idea to like stand stanley johnson his his also extremely weird father just the fact that it's not him is crazy (laughs) if this happened in america like you would be shamed out of the country right Um, even pete Buttigieg shows up to the debate you know right um, and it was just like, this is not even kind of like a really intense question. Like British media is like very timid and they've also been like very timid towards Boris Johnson, like historically. Um, they've kind of let him get away with like saying things that have been untrue about his time as like mayor of London, his like mayor of London record, which is like abysmal because under his kind of administration, London basically turned into a surveillance state, but like overspent on like fucking CCTV and like, extremely powerful water cannons that could like kill people if you used them and they had to like sell them back like it's we're an, terribly it's, sorry about the water cannons they're just too powerful just like just like my debate skills they're just too strong i wanted a funny hose we meant to order funny hoses so like his record is really really bad but like no one's really like he's been given like a really easy ride and the fact that like i think today a poll came out to show that like even if they won based on these numbers, it would be like this wafer thin majority compared to like where they were like last week. Um, It really just goes to show that this guy who was supposed to be like this relatable, fun loving, you know, person like is fun loving drinks. He drinks all the time. He's so fun. I mean, probably. Yeah. I mean like (laughs) that's just like the, the like advanced analysis uh, uh, double speak for just like, this guy is a mess. He's fun. Teens will like him. You can't leave children near him. He's a fun guy and he just looks at like, he looks at young women in a slightly weird way while reciting Herodotus. It's fine. It's cool. It's like what normal people do. I I believe Anders has something pulled up for that. Um, Yeah. So I think that's like a potted history. There's like a lot more probably. Um, I guess like one thing to probably we could talk about now, but probably will come up later is like what happened yesterday. Because yesterday was like a real shit show for Boris Johnson and the whole conservative party. And I think has really done like a number. Yeah. I definitely want to ask about that in a second. Um, But something that I have been sort of surprised by, and maybe this is mostly my perception, but it seems like the Trump Johnson comparison is sort of uh, oven ready, if you will. It's just got sort of like teed up for the press to run with. But I haven't been seeing that much of it, I, you know, in the US or or the UK occasionally. And they yeah, continue they look, to look like that. They, their hair the is the time. same. They both come from privileged backgrounds. Like they're both people racist. People don't look but like they, that. They, they really, uh, the, this comparison, the sense of urgency that we hear from the establishment press in the US about getting Trump out of office doesn't seem to be there in the UK, is that uh, you? Th- I mean, first of all, do you agree with that analysis? And second of all, do you think that has to do with the sort of existential threat to the uh, powers that be in the UK that Jeremy Corbyn poses? I think I think Trump's hair is a lot better. It's thicker <laughs> wow. for one thing. 
Um, Boris Johnson's hair is just like really thick and like unkept and just like <laughs> unmaintained. And the thing that I've learned about like the Trump stuff is that like, say what you will about the man. He like cares a bit too much about his appearance sometimes in like kind of weird ways. That's true. He's um, beautiful. So like underneath the kind of like the toupee might be the same, but like Trump definitely cares a lot more about how he looks. Did I you think. see the pic of him as Rocky? Yes. Yeah. Like that that's real- what he looks like. Yeah. He's jacked. Yeah. <laughs> he's jacked. He's jacked and swole. And like all of us got very horny when we saw it and none of us <laughs> thought it was weird. Yeah. Um, so, and like, I think the similarities come in the sense that like, these are both people who are like very entitled. They come from like landed dynasties. Um, they both kind of just say absolutely like weird and insane stuff and seem to like get away with it. Um, and that's kind of has forged a lot of their personality. But I think the second part, Anders, like, is a really interesting one because you're completely right in, like, I think Boris still, like, for what for all his, like, oafishness, sort of still kind of to a, to a, to a certain, like, class of, like, media people sort of represents, like, a kind of continuity, right? He plays an um, elite role. Like, right. he claims to be a smart person. He doesn't speak like Donald Trump speaks yeah. in the simple short words yeah. that repeat themselves and, and are also, about toilets a lot. And he also like embodies the aesthetic of like a smart person by like British media standards. <laughs> i.e. this is like an Oxford Sad. Right. This is like, this is like an Oxford <laughs> Oxford educated person who used to like edit an establishment magazine, albeit like a fucking racist establishment right. magazine. Um and can kinda and it spent like his time as mayor of London like schmoozing with everyone at like the fucking evening standard um with a, a, a newspaper that was like is edited by a former colleague of his um george osborne so like he still and like and I, I guess this is also where the stuff of like the bbc comes in so there's like a lot of criticism about like the bbc's political team and how much pressure they're actually putting on him and also how much of an easy time he's been given um by like particular reporters and like whether that's done consciously or whether that's just just done because british media people are like fucking goofballs is a question that like you know had divides people but the point is is that like he's been given a really easy ride i think because like he represents a kind of familiarity among an elite class what it reads as to someone who knows nothing about uk politics yeah just at first glance is with your election of corbyn and the lib dems and johnson and then our election of bernie sanders and the 20 people he's facing you have like a clear class warfare angle going on where the media openly scorns corbyn and hates everything he's about whereas ours is like a confused american class warfare where no one knows what class they are to begin with right and just pretends he's not there because they don't know what to say about it but they're mad yeah, that's, <laughs> this is bad. Yeah, I think like I mean like Britain has always been a country where like class has sort of been at been like a primary focus. I don't know if that's like the right term, but like there's definitely been a class consciousness in the sense of like first class country, <laughs> the UK. We have like a landed. We've had like a history of a fucking landed gentry, right? Well, you have lords and ladies and yes, stuff, and we yeah. don't have anything. And we like have that. A- we just have like managers at Walmart. <laughs> It's a terrible replacement. <laughs> You're like Adam Newman at WeWork. Yeah. Like the, prin- the Prince of New York <laughs> um, about to like fall apart. Um, yeah. And I think like in Britain, like in America, one thing that I've kind of gotten, especially from like expats who have moved here is like, they still kind of believe that like America is like the land of opportunity. I.e. like if you work really hard enough, you'll get ahead here. Whereas like in Britain, it's like, yeah, you can work hard and you'll still be fucked because like some rich fucking totty with... Uh, like a double-barreled name is always going to be like more wealthy than you because she'll be linked to like some fucking baron with like estates and you know that honestly sounds nice because the bootstraps culture here is insufferable yeah yeah 
there's at least like an awareness that like like when you take yeah. a car like the lift drivers are like hustling and they're right, talking right. to you about it and then you go you get out of the car and you go yeah. to the bar the bartender's talking to you about yeah. like i have four shifts what are you doing you're like i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> you just feel terrible all the time yeah well or just like when people kind of ask you what jobs uh, do you have this is partially right. a new york city thing too because i mean there are places where nobody does shit right. but whereas like in the uk i think there is this awareness that like look regardless of what you do in your life there's always going to be people who like there's always going to be like a certain class of people that are just going to the have it easy like the fail sons right because their dads are like fucking barons and they own like estates and stuff mm-hmm. so like class is always They've come been- on a skeleton you're not allowed to see <laughs> <laughs> that actually might be an american thing <laughs> i mean probably like a british probably like they're british probably all in on it you know um, well one of those so, like class has always been like perennial right yeah and one of those uh barons i guess is is stanley johnson boris's old man uh-huh. who was on tv a few weeks ago and uh, at first he's admonishing the hosts for um, implying that his son, the prime minister of Great Britain has lied uh, and then mm-hmm. goes on to say that he doesn't think most people in the UK can spell the word Pinocchio. Uh, did that cause any dip in the polls for the conservatives? I don't know if that caused a dick. So I haven't like, I've been in New York for like the whole time that this election has kind of been, go- well, for most of the time that this has been going on. So I don't know. Trying if- really hard <laughs> not to pay attention to this. I, well, no, I wake just I w- dragged from podcast to podcast and forced to explain your country. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, it is why I came here. No, um, I, I wake up at like, what, like 1 p.m., maybe midday UK time. It's like, oh, shit's been going down. Um, so like I tried to kind of catch up with stuff. I don't think that really affected the polls that much. I think that like, um, I think that's kind of what people expected from Boris Johnson. And also I think that was like, it was a very like media related story. And I don't think like the British, like British people really care that much about media related Mm. stuff. So the whole idea that he didn't show up to a debate was kind of like, for some people it's, you know, it was okay, this is just more proof that the guy's a coward, but like, fine. Then you have a group of people who are like, well, this guy is going to get Brexit done. and Because like, he's a mad dog. Right. That's all he cares. Like, he all plays care- by his own rules. All we care about is Brexit. We don't really care about anything else. So even if this guy like does fuck skeletons, mm-hmm. like we're still going to vote for him. Like there was a guy, there's a guy in the UK who like, um, it's, it's too much to go into, but like his name is Darren Grimes and- um, Okay. Extremely funny name. You have um, my attention. <laughs> And he, I mean, he looks like a child, uh, but he was like one of the kind of only young people, quote unquote, who was a pro-Brexit person. Mm-hmm. And he did this amazing tweet a couple of weeks ago, which was just like, Boris Johnson could like piss in my my grand's letterbox, my, my grandmother's letterbox, and I would still vote for him because he's getting Brexit done. My God. <laughs> Ivan Ooze. <laughs> What have you done? And I and I mean I read it and I was kind of just like, well, if you're into piss play, man, just like yeah. say it, right? You don't need to like And he did. Um, and he did. Like <laughs> This is a moment where we have to stand back and respect the process. But I but I think that like that really touches on something, which is that there are a lot of people who I did I did this tweet a long time ago, which was just like, um, you know, retweet this if you would suck a dick for Brexit. And it got like seventy or eighty retweets, and I was just like <laughs> Oh no! Cool. Okay, that's great. Like now lo- they expect me to follow through on this. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people who would do a lot of things for Bre- like just for the I- quote unquote ideological Brexit because they want to own the libs. Um, so then you have that camp, and then you have like another, you know, and then you have like the final camp who are kind of just like we just kind of want Boris to kind of get in because 
when he gets, you know, if he gets in with like an empowered majority, then he can kind of continue this sort of neoliberal agenda of like privatization and open market capitalism and stuff like that. And like the thing that they didn't like about Theresa May, our previous prime minister, was that she wasn't as kind of gung ho about this stuff. Whereas Boris Johnson has this very long history of like placating to like very extreme elements of the conservative movement. Whether he sincerely believes that or not is like a different thing because again, this is also a guy who like doesn't really have a lot of principles beyond getting to where he wants to go. Which again, the Donald Trump comparison is one to one. Right. You know, cause he's not doing anything for like the MAGA truck nuts people. Yeah. I think with the Trump stuff, though, like I don't think Trump had this long game plan of like, I want to be president. I think he absolutely was, not. Right. He was just like, fuck it. I'm born. I'm going to do this. And then accidentally, <laughs> I've lost my TV whereas, show. Whereas Boris Johnson historically, like has been like, I want to be prime minister since he was fucking like 10 years old again, because of that like sense of fucking like private school entitlement. Yeah. So this is a guy who's basically like planned his whole life around this. Uh, whereas like, job. whereas crazy. like Trump's just done it better and he like didn't even think about it. He was just bored. But what was, he is really <laughs> exceptional. But. What was Johnson's thinking with calling an election at this point, though? Because he didn't really have to do that. That, that what, what, does he really think he? No, he kind of okay. did. He kind of did. Also, so like, how does calling an election work? You get to just decide when there's an election. I mean, kind of. When you're prime minister, you get like you get like this. You you can kind of get. You have to get like two thirds of the House of Commons. Do they happen to, regularly? But you can call them early, um, or they're just whenever we decide. No, so it used to be, there used to be like a fixed term. There still is like a fixed term parliament. So like legislation that was passed in, I think 2000, in the early 2010s, I can't remember the year, um, where... Uh, but this was like during the coalition when the conservatives and the liberal democrats first came into power they passed a legislation which was like the fixed term parliament act i.e you couldn't call an election unless you had two-thirds of the house of commons like vote for it uh and that parliament would go on for five years and this has been the first time that the fixed term parliament act has been broken because uh yeah because like two-thirds of the house of commons like voted for an election and i think most of that was because like most of that was because of Brexit. It was because like there's been various kind of deals that have like passed to and from the house of commons. Uh, there was a amendment that was passed, which basically said, that like Britain couldn't go out of the EU with like no deal, like a deal had to go through. Mm -hmm. Then Boris Johnson, like negotiate, but Theresa May negotiated a deal. She came back and no one was voting for it. And the Congress it. can't handle these deals, so they right. mix it up. The, the deal was too much, so then they basically made her resign to get Boris Johnson in. Boris Johnson said that he would negotiate a better deal, came back with a worse deal, uh-huh. <laughs> um, one that like didn't allow like access to particular markets in a way that like Theresa Mays did. And then he couldn't pass it. So he was kind of like, well, the only way I'm going to pass a Brexit deal is to kind of have an election and have, because like the conservatives also had a really way for thin majority. And this goes back to 2017 when Jeremy Corbyn did a lot better in the election than people thought he would. So the initial idea the conservatives had would be like Theresa May, who was like this kind of bastion of stability and being sensible and, you know, Christian, um, she would come back with this big majority uh, and Brexit would pass and the conservatives would just like have a free run for like the next And decade. they thought they were going to squash him right. and then the absolute lab yeah, did Because he it. just like grows vegetables and makes like delicious jams and stuff. Yes. Right? Um, and who, who eats jam? Like no one eats jam. <laughs> no one now, in England right? eats jam. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm afraid to make a position either way. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do remember watching that and feeling very confused, but then he did it, and I was like, this feels good. I don't, I couldn't tell you what happened. I remember, but- like, when the exit poll came out, and it showed that, like, Labour had basically, like, stopped the Conservatives from being able to do anything. There were, like, these two hours when, like, between the exit poll and when the first results came out, which were, like, the best hours. They were just, like, real, like, real kind of, like, golden hours. I'm trying to, like, think of a better term for it. Um... But it was better great. platinum hours. Platinum hours. It was just great because like all the kind of like fucking pundits who had predicted for like months that Jeremy Corbyn was going to get wiped out and like the Labour Party was over and like all of this could have been avoided if we just hi- if we had just kind of brought in like some centrist shitbag who like wanted to just like means test more stuff. Yeah. Um. That once that was done, like somebody had a. To- uh, well, the, on, yeah. on TV, but they didn't actually, he put it in his mouth, but was it his book or his tie? <laughs> it was either a book or a tie and they chewed on it and didn't actually swallow. Yeah, that does not count as eating the tie, by the way. <laughs> oh, shit. No, yes, it misses the, several important parts of yeah. eating. Eat the book, yeah. And now that guy has just become like a fucking like reactionary. Oh, really? Like, he, became more reaction- he became more reactionary after eating his book. The book was full of wet. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually not funny. It's like something about eating like the glue that binds the pages that just like turns you into like fucking. But but the thing is now, now they're doing the same thing. So like even like despite like the polls being worse for the conservatives at this point of time than it was last year, you've still got people who are like writing in national newspapers being like, you know, this is going to be a Labour wipeout. This is going to be the end of the Labour Party. We were right all along. Um... You and know, he's so, still down, but he, his acceleration is higher. Yeah. And like, that's at, what's going on. And we're in like a much better position, at least like at the time we we're talking about, we're in nice. a much better position now. And I don't like see it kind of recovering in the next day or so. So like I, my kind of prediction is that at the very like minimal, the conservatives might gain a majority, but it won't be significant enough to like do anything meaningful. Nice. Right? You know, that kind of opens up a new can of worms, but I don't kind of see this thumping majority that they had all kind of assumed would happen like six weeks ago or even four weeks ago. And from 2017, in terms of like momentum's on the ground operation, do you think that has improved and put them in a better chance to get labor in, in power? So I don't know too much about like the ground game just because I'm not in the UK, but like... <laughs> I, I am on vacation. <laughs> they won't leave me alone. Um, but like, I know that some of, I know some of like the Trash Future guys have been out canvassing and like, I know like Momentum people have as well. I think that like Momentum have been really extraordinary at like the ground game because they just know how to organize really well. So like they've employed, so La- Labour have always been good at like the ground game. They've always right. been good at like bringing people out. Who is Momentum again? Momentum is kind of like the grassroots activist movement. It's like the DSA like associ- to right. the Labour Party. Kind of, they're associated, they're associated with Labour, but they're not like directly kind of like part of a Labour group, but they've kind of done extraordinary things in relation to like maintaining Labour's position on the left and kind of proposing policy ideas. Yeah. They have like a bunch, they're like a really interesting group of people just generally and they hold like very cool and interesting events. Interesting. Now a fun game you can play at home if you're listening along is what questions does Alex know the answer to and he's just being a good host and then what questions does he genuinely have no idea what he's fucking talking about? (laughs) I actually got one that I hear a lot and I don't know what the heck it means because it sounds cool but I apparently it's bad. Universal credit. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Sounds cool. cool. I hear it's bad. I love Universal Studios. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the fir- yeah, that's the first time I've heard like Universal credit like being associated with coolness. We just I like mean, Universal. Well, 
I'm standing by it. Don't know what it is. <laughs> universal Universal credit was like this plan of like simplifying the benefits, like the welfare system. So like you would just get one payment rather than like multiple different payments. Um, but it just has turned out like from its inception and like it's just a way to squash entitlements, right? And it's a way of kind That's of what like, it sounds like it is. You know, it like limits people from like access to like very specific types of funds they need. Like there have been cases where like single mothers haven't been like able to access like money for childcare, or that they haven't received enough money. And obviously, like things cost different things in different places, right? So like having a standard credit where you know things don't take you as far in like London as it does in like you know a suburb in Newcastle, like it probably isn't a good thing. That's what people are afraid UBI will turn into here. Right like Andrew Yang's entire thing of like, don't you want a thousand dollars, but at the cost of what Andrew? Yeah. Like inflate, like inflation is a thing. And like, you know, famously, Um, what about my disability, Andrew? (laughs) But like it is, it it follows, I mean, it follows like a very Andrew Yang type of principle, which is the idea that like, if you simplify things and make things easier for like wealthy people to understand, then Then they're more like, then they're more likely to go, like go for it. But like the fact that universal credit has caused like tens of thousands of people to like suffer, thousands of people to die um is it already passed or is it i mean yeah it's already it's already passed because already it's been like in such it's been there for i can't even remember how many years but for a long time it's been there is this boris johnson's work as well no this was before this was david cameron's work okay this was like a david cameron like simplifying modernizing british britain project you're off the hook for this one (laughs) boris well (laughs) this is the one take a break for five minutes boris johnson hasn't really done anything by way of passing legislation except for like I mean, basically hasn't really done anything. He's just like insulted a bunch of like foreign dignitaries, written a racist book, a racist novel. We Um, do have some fun clips of that, Andrew sent me. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to go through these? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, we did we we did like a, we did like a full reading of his book on trash future like a free part series this isn't i don't think this is the book the it's not the, book, okay. the buzzfeed article yeah that is yeah that's a, that's another there's another one Wait, there's a new that, uh not the new one yeah not the new one <laughs> it's just so there's much. a new racist thing he wrote <laughs> it's like a, like another another racist thing that he just happened to do Okay, Anders, do you want to break down the BuzzFeed one? Yeah, so uh, Boris Johnson, there's so much bojo happening this week. It's it's hard to stay on top. So much bojo. It's going to be. But he uh, wrote an article. This came out (laughs) in the, uh, I believe it was a spectator. Yeah, in 2003. And he's talking about going to India, former British colony. And he's on a flight from British Mm. Airways. And uh, this, these are his words. I awoke to found a sweet-faced Chinese air stewardess standing over me in my aisle seat. Please, sir, said the BA girl, please come with me. I have found a better seat from you in row 52. It does not say please. <laughs> it <laughs> right. says please. <laughs> it's written down please. Well, I'm, I'm yes. <laughs> Look at I'm this. I'm debating how I should... Should I do the Jesus accent? Jesus Christ. That, oh, my God. Should I do the Bojo accent or should I do Bojo doing... The Chinese. No, you should. Candy. You don't have to do an accent. But okay. if he writes the word "prees," you can probably guess. Yeah, you, can, said, you can. You can probably guess. Prees, sir. Prees, come with me. Basically, <laughs> and a flight attendant is uh, sees he's next to his children, and she doesn't know they're his children, and so offers him a different seat, and he wants to say yes, but his kitties are like, "No, that's a papa," and so he has to sit with them. And he's also very horny for her. Is the other backdrop all, all of this? His, all his writing is extraordinarily horny. Like, is that just like a Churchillian thing? I don't know. I feel like it's again. It's I feel like it's a pretty 
very like British establishment thing. Like lots of, you know, you, there are like a good amount of like British establishment. If I desire the milking girl to be mine. <laughs> There's a lot of like establishment British authors who just like can't help, like especially like in Britain, but like just can't help, but like be, be horny or like to talk about their dicks and like really inappropriate situations. Yeah. Right. Um, well, yeah. I mean, which we do love. It, I mean, we don't have to read this whole thing, but it does end with Veli Solly. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that awesome. is funnier than the Asian accent. <laughs> well, the, well, good, because I'm not doing one as an ally, Anders, because I'm helping Jeez. take down Boris Johnson's 2003 article. <laughs> uh, like, it's not even like the worst one that he's written. This is like, I, I hear this and I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's it's awful, but also, like, if we're comparing it to, like, number one, his fucking novel, and number two, all the stuff that he's just written about, like, watermelon, watermelon smiles, piccaninnies, Ooh. Um, just using, like, also these very old school That's smiles. colorful and racist. Right. You know, and it's kind of just, just, like, it's a real window into, like, just journalism at that time. Yeah. You like, should see his family guy packet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> fucking out of this world. <laughs> what are the weirdest ones? Um, he has the power. He could have his, been honest. His, his supporters have tried to defend him by being like, "Oh, that was just like a really unwoke period." <laughs> uh, did you ever watch South Park? Um, yeah, it was just... to which I'm like, no, because I went to religious school. <laughs> yes, but uh, one of his, but it was just like, yeah. <laughs> but he had a real life guffaw uh, just yesterday, which was just delicious. <laughs> real life guffaw. It guffaw was so alert. IRL guff. I can't do it, but it's like the kind of guffaw, which is like a very ne- like British nasal. <laughs> like this goes into our segment of IRL guffaws. Play the music. I wish I wish my, like, my like can do it really well. I can't do any like British stuff, but yeah, like okay. Well, yeah. So he's being yeah. interviewed about Damn. the NHS because uh, where do you even start with this? There is a kid who was uh-huh. on a bunch of blank on a bunch of coats yeah. on the floor of a hospital. Yes. Kid who had like pneumonia or something, and. Uh-huh. Uh, Boris Johnson refuses to look at the picture of the boy that the, the reporter is like trying to get him to look at. And eventually, well, it would make him sad. Yeah, it would. Uh, but it, or actually, no, I don't think it would. It would just reveal how not sad he is and how completely in, unaffected he is by the plight of the lower classes. But he takes the phone from the reporter <laughs> and puts it in his pocket and then. <laughs> continues doing the yeah. that's what you do when you're the adult in the room <laughs> yeah you have to confiscate the yo-yos and that wasn't even like the worst part of his day like i kind of thought that was bad but maybe he could get away with it just by like pretending to be a bit of a buffoon but kind of ultimately making some sort of empty promise oops but, did like, i steal your phone did I, did I nick your phone governor <laughs> did, I, did i nick your phone it's my street wars reflexes at it again i grew up in the uk and i can't i grew up in the uk and i don't have i can't do any of the accents um, I can only do Cockney, which is not helping yeah, me today. But it's still better than me. Like, didn't nick your phone, governor. No, he said, I apologize for taking your phone. That's what he said. <laughs> but like, I was watching Damn, this and good. I was thinking to myself that like, he could probably get out of this pretty easily, right? He could just say that, look, I was kind of like a bit overwhelmed yeah. and I took the phone, I'm sorry. And like, just make some empty promise about like, look, I feel like really bad for this kid. And like, we're going to make sure we invest like a load of money so that this never happens again. Like it could have been really easily resolved, but like number one, he didn't do that. But he just like kept silent afterwards. And then- that- Like he's keeping the phone. <laughs> it's his phone now. It's my phone now. Um, but then it got worse because like, then they sent- this guy called Matt Hancock, 
to Leeds General Hospital. And I like, if any of your fans listen to Trash Future, they'll know who Matt Hancock is. But like, I'll summarize it the best that I can. He's basically just like a very obedient Labrador if he was a person. Just okay. like someone who's very optimistic and like, um, you know, uh, just like bright eyed about like the world completely oblivious to like its darkness okay. um, believes that like everything can be made into a we work um he he became famous for like doing parkour but like doing parkour really badly <laughs> this guy sounds great right <laughs> and like just someone who just like is a tech like a really weird like tech accelerationist uh-huh. um so do and- they have him do parkour professionally as like a, a politician well they made him parkour all the way to like leeds general hospital like the leeds hospital where this whole thing happened yes um, and then while when like during the ride up there uh there like him and his assistants tried to kind of come to do damage control and one of his assistants walked into the ha- walked into like the hand of some like labor like some protester like a labor activist mm-hmm. who was also like outside of the hospital yeah some like and there was this whole exchange yeah. went out that was like hey if you're involved right. in labor momentum uh matt hancock's coming to this hospital yeah. come here and, and protest him. yeah so just Right, which is like a yeah. fine thing to do and like has happened before. It was portrayed like, as Jeremy poli- Corbyn you know, personally sending them like uh his sending sending his juntas yeah. out to like stop uh, this beautiful <laughs> display of parkour. <laughs> but one an art of the West. But then like some Tory kind of messaged again, like this goes back to the BBC, like messaged like the BBC's senior correspondent, like political correspondent saying that like one of Matt Hancock's advisors just got punched in the face by a Labour activist. Um, there was no evidence for this. There was no kind of like, you know, there was no, you know, backup source. The BBC's political correspondent, who like already is pretty close to the Johnson administration, like Boris Johnson and his administration anyway, just tweets out for like, oh, um, a Tory activist just said he got punched. Then that went around like all the kind of political reporters who just tweeted this thing out. Like, and then about 20 minutes after that came out and after like, dozens of retweets and impressions basically saying that like labor activists are like violent. It turns out actually none of this happened at all, but his like Matt Hancock's goofy advisor walked into someone's like own hand by his own volition. And the whole story was like completely made up. So then at the end of the day, Boris Johnson not only had to deal with the fact that he's just nicked this governor's phone, (laughs) (laughs) but, but also that like, like all that they're lying generally about. And also just like, that they're weak as shit because like if you got bruised walking into someone's hand like that's not labor's problem man that's like you know you need to drink more protein look at their camp they're stealing phones <laughs> and there's also they're they they can't parkour <laughs> <laughs> they're just telling fibs right at large <laughs> which you are told not to do at boarding school yeah no you, you should you don't tell a fib otherwise you've got to go to the master's office and no one no one wants to go there no one wants to go to the master's office <laughs> there's also office. a rumor being spread online that the the boy in the hospital that was completely fixed yeah. it was the uh, British QAnon, yeah. British, Q- oh my God, British QAnon is like incredible. Follow the clues. Because they were like, yeah, this like, this, this kid was like a plant and like, I just, I was, what I was reading it last night. It's like, everyone has just like lost their fucking minds over this. There were like a bunch of people pretending to be nurses who were like, yeah, he's wearing the mask for the op- like the wrong way around. Um, but like none of these people are like fucking nurses and they all like tweeted the same thing, which is like, as a former nurse who worked at like a general <laughs> hospital, this very specific type of mask doesn't like, bring- I, I, I I don't know the exact tweet, but like um, uh, a Twitter user, like uh, I can't remember his name, but he put out like six tweets that were basically exactly the same. Wow. 
um all saying the same stuff i am a i am a former nurse and then it got really close to like this, is there a british QAnon? um kind of i like like british people love conspiracy theories like you guys anyway. have father well, christmas paul joseph we have santa is there like a <laughs> there's paul joseph I guess he's watson. Not anonymous. yeah but yeah but paul joseph watson isn't really like a QAnon guy he's I like think, alex jones well he was like he used to when he was he used to be he when he was a QAnon guy he used to be cool like when he was a conspiracy yeah, theorist, he, used guy, cool, he used to be like a cool dude <laughs> but now he's just like a lame guy who makes videos about why like scorsese movies are filled with like sjw oh, propaganda okay. he sold um, out because like because everyone has capitulated to like the SJWs and he made like four videos about how like Joker is like the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> um, uh, it's kind of like I don't know. It's just like become like very boring yeah. now. Yeah, that's sad. He's like <laughs> not talking about the frogs being gay anymore. <laughs> well, the NHS just took the, the NHS has been a pretty major issue in the election. Yes. Uh, it was revealed, yep. of course. Well, first I want to ask: there, there were these documents that Corbyn revealed on stage. <laughs> At one of the debates, yeah, the compromise, the compromise, the compromise. Um, <laughs> that uh, the parts of the National Health Service are being uh, sold off to, to the United States. Well, not that they were being sold off, but that the NHS would be open for like doing doing deals and doing. They'd sales. be open in a trade yeah. deal, open um, on the table, you know, we're, we're, which does look bad. We're, we're, we're getting Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. right? Every, I went to Dunkin' for the first time yesterday, and I wasn't impressed. Oh by no, it. no, it's, you got to go it's in Massachusetts. Bad. Yeah, it only counts there. <laughs> thank was, you for saying that Andrew. i was just like i'm trying to do like as many american things as i can in my last week here so like i went to duncan last night um and i sat in this really depressing duncan in like somewhere in like uh, bergen is it bergen hill the new york duncan donuts are not yeah. representative of duncan donuts okay. on a whole <laughs> okay the inner city duncan donuts are grimy places you got to go like in the middle of the suburbs after you've drank yeah. uh, a boris johnson amount of liquor and you <laughs> can't eat you can't digest like human food anymore well, next time next time i accidentally end up in Albany, well, so one maybe. american yeah exactly Albany. one american thing that is happening is for some reason we have unleashed our best airport book authors on this theory about the nhs about this uh, information that's been revealed uh first malcolm yeah. gladwell author of outliers oh, came yeah. in with some i know him from the airport <laughs> he came in with some idiosyncratic <laughs> argument about pricing yeah and then now lionel uh, trilling i believe is her name who is it li- no lionel, lionel Shriver? Shriver. Yeah, yeah, yeah not trilling uh yeah is saying that close one. like these they don't really know what they're talking about it seems they don't uh, right. like almost less than i do uh but for lionel some Shriver's reason they're given a platform yeah. in the uk like what's what why are, was mitch album gonna like Come on and say we should completely privatize the NHS. Think, What's going on? Here? I think there's a lot of British guys. There's a lot of British guys who still think Ma- Malcolm Gladwell is like a really smart uh-huh. dude. Um, the five people you meet in hospice. <laughs> right, right. But also just like, just like you know, the kind of like um, the not like Notting Hill middle class people who are kind of like, oh, I read. Uh, oh, what was that? What was outliers. Like, first, like the the kind of do when you like practice things outliers. for a really long time, you get good at it. That's yeah. outliers. Right. Yeah. Outliers. Um, it's outliers. Which was like remarkable to me because I was just like. You know that's how I can become like the world's number one new metal DJ. Yes, um, <laughs> and you uh, still could. <laughs> it's got to practice. Level. If you're willing to commit the time, you you could. Um, yeah, like I saw like the clip about Malcolm Gladwell basically saying that like you have to open up the NHS for competition and like in any feasible. And the thing was, he was right. Like he was right, not in the sense of like that's how the NHS will get better, but like in any sort of trade circumstance, the NHS would have to be open because the Americans have said it, and you didn't need the documents to kind of make that clear. Like. 
there are like American trade envoys or former trade envoys who have basically said that, yeah, like if we ever do a post-Brexit deal with Britain, like we're going to go for their fucking like, like fully built medical, like, you know, their fully built like medical service when we are a country with like, you know, loads of fucking like pharma companies. Don't right? you want our cutting edge medical technology? I mean, I just think to myself, like, didn't we like have this conversation with like Martin Shkreli when that stuff happened? Like where he was just charging like on obscene amounts for like very basic drugs. And like, we had this conversation about how drugs are manufactured and how much like vulture funds sort of like, right. But that was just about owning that guy. There's no (laughs) moment of self-reflection ever here. Right. You know, there there might be like, there might be pharma guys who are really nice and not like, have the weird obsession with it's like it's weird because there aren't <laughs> you meet so many of them here you know, but Malcolm, and they're Malcolm Gladwell, skeletons Ma- to Malcolm Gladwell is one of those guys who are like yeah Martin Shkreli was an outlier he just practiced for way longer <laughs> than everyone else um you know Lionel Shriver is like a completely different thing and I'm not going to go into that but yeah the documents are like a really the documents are an important one because the discourse around that was completely insane because these number one these were documents that had been like public for a long time they'd been on reddit and like They'd also been reported on a bit by people who worked for the uh, the uh, British Healthcare Journal, which is like an industry journal full of like very good journalists, like who have been covering the privatization of the NHS. But you know, no one in like the fucking mainstream media like reads that, so it was kind of glossed over. I just um, want to say I love recovering documents from Reddit.com. <laughs> I am presenting um, to the board documents that have acquired Reddit gold. So these um, so these documents have been around for a long time. And the problem was like, no one really knew who the source was, right? They didn't know mm-hmm. like how accurate the source was. They didn't really know, um, you know, so there was a lot of stuff like, oh, these documents came from Russia. They yes. Came, they came from like, the hack was from Russia. And it didn't- Which really, cannot be trusted. <laughs> and it didn't really address the points that like, no one, these, these documents were not fake, right? Uh-huh. It'd be a different conversation if these were like fake documents because the way that the discourse was kind of formed in the UK was like, oh, this is like foreign interference in our election, which is kind of like, okay, you might have a point if these documents were fake, and they were trying to deliberately mislead people. Right, but, but they're just are, actual documents. But these are real documents. Yeah. <laughs> these are real documents with like the fucking like health trade minister, like actual words on there. No one is denying that they're like... It's one of those situations where like the worst guy you know just made an excellent <laughs> yeah. point. <laughs> um, except in most cases, it wasn't like the worst guy. Like very, like Jeremy Corbyn is like the best guy. And he right. made a very good and that's point, what which, it was is true. That, which is that the NHS is like... Um, if you're a liberal, I meant Russia as a whole is the is this, worst guy is, is you know. Is your cat going to like knock everything down? No, he's not going to knock it down. He's just going to circle, and that's part of the show. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, Corbin, when we have to wrap it up, he circles the laptop. So Corbin has... Um, wait, so Andrew, like, do you... Yeah. He has really made this so, an issue. Like, he's, you know, uh, used the documents on stitch at the debate. Um, do you think uh, that under a different leadership, like uh, Tony Blair, even Ed Miliband, they would have like struggled yeah. with whether or not to actually make an issue out of it. And by the time they were ready to do so, it probably would have yeah. left the news. I don't know about Blair because Blair was also someone who like instituted PFI, which was like the beginning of like really formal privatization. The idea that like you could, that separate NHS hospitals could do like deals with like, not just pharma companies, but like, you know, vulture, like, you know, VC firms and everything. Right. Um, so, it, f- you know, for Blair, it would be like, damn, these documents are great and we should like do more deals because yeah. we want to make an efficient NHS. I made a deal. Ed Miller, Ed, Ed's a comrade. Like, he's like, he's like, I don't know if you guys listen to his podcast now, but like, he's become like a comrade now, which is great. 
Um, and I think that like, it was really, his leadership was like pretty sad because I think he was, he came in at like a very weird, like the end, like the, the end of new labor and like trying to figure out what is labor supposed to be. And he was also someone who kind of wanted to make everyone happy. Yeah. So he was trying to kind of like placate the right. So I think for him, like, I mean, his lines during the election were like, you know, that the Tory, you can't trust the Tories with the NHS, which is completely true, but he didn't really kind of, it didn't really go beyond mm. that. It didn't really go beyond, I think for him, it was just like, we're just going to invest more in the NHS because we love the NHS so much. Whereas I think with Corbyn, like Corbyn's gone a few steps further to be like, yeah, we're going to invest a hell of a lot more in the NHS. Right. But what we're also going to do is like stop privatization, like stop kind of like veering privatization coming in. Right. Because Brexit or no Brexit, like. And you have to get gender surgery now. <laughs> yeah. Like, there is like a running joke that like, you know, but what people are really afraid of is like that, like a very Jack Jeremy Corbyn is going to like make every, like, make you is, get is, the is, surgery. It's going to force, gonna force <laughs> everyone to like become transgender. Um, he just shows up at your house on a train. <laughs> it's the same train. They drink the Coors light on that goes through the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> there was like, it's been nationalized. There was someone, I can't remember the exact story, but there was someone who like actually said, um, I think this was like during when Corbyn was kind of like talking about like universal vaccinations and stuff. And um, the idea that he wanted kind of every child to be vaccinated, regardless of like, you know, the, we, we, you know to get act, to access to healthcare. And someone was just like, was Jeremy Corbyn going to show up at me house with like an injection and force me to get vaccinated? Oh, I'm ready for you, Jace. <laughs> I've got me nose out, Jace. <laughs> Um, I feel like a pool cue was the weapon of choice <laughs> for this person. But like, yeah, and he like lives in Essex. And yeah. Um, but no, like I think what Labour have done really, but been really good at is that because this is still billed as like the Brexit yeah. election and Labour have a very good position right. on Brexit, which is that like, look, the way that things are going, like we, like there's been so many kind of things that have been misleading and like no one's really known what the specifics are. What we're going to do is like negotiate a better deal, which kind of means that no one, you know, that, all our kind of public services are protected, but we will still leave the European Union if you want to. But noticing that like three years have passed and a lot of things have changed, like it's probably worth reassessing that rather than kind of going for the gung-ho. Three years ago, everyone voted for this very vague right. notion of leaving the European Union. Sure. People voted for different yeah. reasons, but we should still stick to this like this. Right, and that's, and that's but, one of the frustrating things yeah. in the press there. It's like they're accusing him of being wishy-washy and like this yeah. is one issue that has to has to be dealt with carefully because this is could completely destroy yeah. the British economy. And this is one issue where yeah. he is taking, he is sort of, I guess trying to have it both yeah. ways, but on every other issue is taking right. very, very bold stances. Yeah. I mean, also like this is kind of, this has been a really, this has been like a really messy part of like living in the UK, but also he's been like, you know, you have one side of like the media who are kind of saying that like, oh, we like Jeremy Corbyn is going to like facilitate Brexit because he hasn't gone for like full hard remain, i.e. let's pretend like the past three years just never happened. And then... On the other side, you've got people who kind of say that, oh, Jeremy Corbyn like wants to remain completely. Like he's kind of just wants to betray the people. And it's like, both things are not true, but there's like still this speculation that oh, like, oh, Jeremy Corbyn secretly voted leave. And 
um, no one's saying anything about it because like they're afraid of being called racist or something like that. He wants um, to form a new communist international. Right. Actually, you're that's all what, yeah. wrong. Right. Actually, that's what he wants to do. He wants to like set up programs like all <laughs> over um, Newcastle or like this. Like, actually, that is pretty fucked up that he wants to do that. It's crazy. It's like you're crazy for this one, Jess. It, uh, that's <laughs> all we hear about. Like if you are like a Twitter guy in yeah. America, it's just uh, does he want to do pro- programs or not? Yeah. Does he want to do like, does he want to do Does he want to nationalize yeah. Sausages, um, which was uh, oh up. yeah that was like another thing it's like yeah do you like would you nationalize yeah. sausages it's just like it's kind of, yeah it's sort of like labor of really kind of the people aren't ready for the <laughs> state's next generation <laughs> sausage well, uh, it might yeah it might like, use like less sawdust than the ones that you can buy, you can <laughs> that buy is true like sausages hot dogs are like the last food to say will get worse under nationalization yeah. right. well one last uh, one um, last uh, election yeah. question then I'll let let you get out of here sure uh, there's been sure. some attention paid to this concept of tactical voting which is um sort of an attempt to keep the tories out of power by voting for whatever the uh closest party is in in that certain constituency um which in some cases are the liberal democrats so so there's some people who are sympathetic to labor who are saying no you got to vote lib them here because the labor doesn't stand a chance but isn't it the case that lib the lib dems would form a government with the Tories and not labor. Not necessarily, but like, I think, I I know like that's, so I think there's like two questions. The first is about where does tactical voting work? And the second thing is like, can we trust the liberal Democrats? So the first one is like, I think a pretty straightforward one, which is that for the majority of Lib Dems, at least that I'm aware of, um, you know, there is this kind of consensus that like we don't want the conservatives back in like government. And there are lots of like lots of Lib Dems who are very distraught by the idea that like when their previous leader like went to join like the conservatives and was part of like the austerity program, but like that was going to be the end of the Liberal Democrats. And like people like Vince Cable um were really kind of instrumental in at least kind of like maintaining uh like the Lib Dems as a party. Um now the thing with like Joe Swinson, who's like the leader of like the Liberal Democrats right now, besides like being ineffective, also has like a really vague kind of you know agenda because when she's been asked like, would you do like she's kind of been you know her position is like we're going to fight for every seat because I want to be prime minister of the country, but that ain't going to happen. I think what she fails to. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. Like, even in the best case scenario, like, that is not going to happen. You're going to be like, the best case scenario for the Lib Dems is that you're going to be kingmakers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the decision is like, who do you want to be like the kingmakers of? Like, do you want to, or who do you want to like assist? Do you want to assist the Labour Party or do you want to assist the Conservative Party? Now, Joe Swinson is kind of just like stuck to her line, which is like, I want to be prime minister and I'm not going to think about any of those things. Um, and then when winning mindset, <laughs> and America, <laughs> and then like yeah, Joe, Joe Swinson moved to New York and go work in WeWork. Uh, um, you know, and but you know, we had this joke on Trash Future that like Joe Swinson will kind of she'll be like deputy prime minister for like one term and then go like become like head of TikTok or something. Absolutely, uh, <laughs> that's a vertical move. <laughs> um, but when she's been asked about like Labour. She's kind of like dismissed it by saying that, oh, we wouldn't want to join the Labour Party while Jeremy Corbyn is leader because of like the anti-Semitism. Because of how anti-Semitic it is. Right. Which again, like I think is like a disingenuous point, but it also like fails to understand what it would mean if you were in a coalition, i.e. that Jeremy Corbyn would have like won the election. Like he would be like, he would have the right to kind of form a government. Mm -hmm. Um, And also like, 
if you join with Boris, if you join a coalition government with like Boris Johnson of all people, when did the anti-Semitic line like become solid? Because I remember hearing it a year yeah. or two ago, and it was just like, I think well, this is he, annoying. This keeps happening. Sh- shortly after he got elected, because Jeremy Corbyn did like a bunch of stuff with like press TV, like the Iranian channel press right. TV. You had to wear a badge if you like, were RT. Jewish. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, and like, there were also like lots of rumors that like, oh, he's kind of had dinner with like people from Hamas and everything. Right. Um, it kind of really became, but it's kind of really solidified, I think, actually towards like 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of just like stuck. And I think, I mean, when we talk about anti-Semitism, like it is an important thing. I think that like, I don't think that we should kind of um, dismiss it completely. Dismiss it or kind yeah. of think that like there wasn't an anti-Semitism, like problem with anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. Um, i.e. that there were like definitely members who said things that were very very anti-semitic and it was right that they were kind of removed or investigated and you know and as corbyn admits like that should have been done faster he's issued like multiple Mm -hmm. apologies so the fact that like people aren't taking these apologies like that's on them but i think it's also like again we go back to like okay well it has the same vibe of like in school if someone just like calls you shit pants early right. on in the year and you're like well I don't have any shit on your pants <laughs> and then it turns out like you sat on a muffin or something where you're like that was a muffin but then you just get shit pants for three months and then you just yeah. are shit pants <laughs> for nine months so See, it's out of your hands that seems like a very highly specific <laughs> I could have happened to anyone and I, it didn't happen to me that's for sure I mean, all I wanted to add to that was that like, if you look at like the alternative which is like Boris Johnson like, yeah. the conservatives have also had a very like they also have their own like share of like anti-semitic the issues to do with anti-semitism including right? Boris, Johnson Boris Johnson writing a been book the, that saying right. 10 Jews control the media yeah. yes <laughs> And just like the like employment of very anti-Semitic tropes and the fact that like people are willing to acknowledge this but be like, oh, you know, he's just he's just that guy. He's right. just like he went to Eastern, like you can't yeah. really help it. Whereas Jeremy Corbyn <laughs> He's just he, like that, man. Jeremy Corbyn didn't even go to university. He just like hung wow. out he just hung out on his marrow farm. Like, he was busy at the dart hall throwing things <laughs> at pictures of Jews. So I think like there's a lot of like disingenuous like disingenuity with the Lib Dem position. I think they know that. I think that like if Labour are able to kind of become the biggest party on Thursday and they do have to go in coalition, I think that tune will change. Right. Um, but I think right now this is just very much like posturing from Joe Swinson, who knows that like if she joins a coalition with Boris Johnson and they do like Tory Lib Dem, like Mark II, like they're basically putting all their chips on the idea that regardless of who they go in coalition with, they're going to demand a second referendum. Right. 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 Jeremy Corbyn has already offered a second referendum, right? Regardless of whether the Lib Dems join them or not. Right. But he's an anti-Semite. But he's, but yeah. And like he grows big marrows and like, you know, that's a bit sus. Like they do look, <laughs> the way they look, man. Have you seen them? It's, it's a bit, it's a bit sus. <laughs> Have uh, you seen them look at a sausage? <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeremy Corbyn has offered a second referendum, yeah. right? Regardless whether the Lib Dems join or not. So like, you know, he's basically said, I'm going to negotiate a deal and then we'll put it to the people and I'm going to stay out of it because ultimately it's not my decision, it's the decision of like people living in the UK. And all we're going to do is just make sure that like no one loses their fucking jobs or like their livelihoods by like us crashing out or like that like loads of Europeans just don't get like deported yeah. right that's right. all we you know that's which is a reasonable position i think to take whereas like if they go into coalition with the conservatives sure like the conservatives will be like well if you join us we'll give you a second referendum and it'll be like a leave and remain referendum but then the lib dems are putting all their chips on the idea that like an overwhelming number of people in the uk want to suddenly remain in the european union and that's like not true the statistics show that that's not true the original vote shows that's not true right 
but also like the fact that like the concert like the Lib Dems haven't really made the surge because if the, if it was the case then the Lib Dems would have made like a really significant surge and they haven't done that so no because like, they suck right so like it you know if I was Joe Swinson it would be like yeah this is like a no brainer to kind of even if I don't like Jeremy Corbyn this is a no brainer to kind of get the thing right. that I want right yes. Yep. But, and yeah. then we can focus on important things like trains, <laughs> which is Tra- what this election train- should be about. Trains are important, and it should be what right. this election yep. should be about. Yeah, well, but. here's hoping we'll get that uh, labor government that'll renationalize the rail and have that awesome meeting with uh, Bernard in 10 Downing Street. <laughs> Looking forward to that. They'll take two trains, and they'll leave different locations at different times, and you'll have to do math and find out <laughs> when they get there. That's where, that's where Andrew Yang will come in. Uh, who, <laughs> he, he has the pin. He has the math Hussein, pin. where can people find you? Um, at H. Kizvani on Twitter uh, or on Trash Future, the podcast. And check out his book. He's got a fucking book. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I, fuck, I wrote a book, didn't I? Yeah. This is the second time we've happened where we have somebody on the show who wrote a book who just doesn't remember doing it. It wasn't even that long ago. It was like in May when I published it. It's like, a I'm new so book. Tired. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's called Follow Miyaki, the online world of British Muslims. It, you can buy it mainly in Britain, but you can also order it online. Um, I don't know where. I think you can get it from Barnes & Noble now. So like, yeah, <laughs> buy it, please. I need to like, I need to pay for jewel pods. So. Great coffee table book. It is a good coffee table book. It absorbs like mm. a lot of liquids. <laughs> All right. Uh, and it's follow terrible. me at Andersley here on Twitter. Check out Redacted tonight. Got segments coming at you every week. Alex. Hi. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Patak Jokes. I put all my stand-up shows up there. Listen to my anime podcast, Ballin' Out Super. We have comedians on and make them watch anime and then see how it made <laughs> them feel. I really want to be on that show. And Hussein's going to be on it soon. All right. It's finished. Thank it's you finished. so much.